Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of SpinCast. Today, I am joined by Dr. John Price. He is the esports director at Henderson State University. And, you know, obviously, this is about university, so we're diving back into the great topic of collegiate esports. So without further ado, um, Dr. Price, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us where your passions in esports and gaming started and kind of how that led you down your path to becoming the esports director at Henderson State. Sure. Uh, it's great to be here, Kyle. Thank you so much. I love the cast. Uh, for myself, gaming started like really young, as I think most people in esports is. I, I remember when I was five years old, my dad coming home with a copy of Command and Conquer, the original one, and that really started me off in gaming and such. And so since I was a kid, gaming has been a big part of my life in some way, shape, or form. Um, the way I got into esports, though, kind of happened out of the blue. I was working on uh, one of my graduate degrees when I was at the University of Kansas, and I'd been watching Twitch since it had started when it was still Justin TV. I got into StarCraft, Rude War. I watched all the old stuff because StarCraft 2 was coming out. And uh, a company was starting up and I had been following the streamer and it's like, they're looking for people because they're starting to build an esports organizational professional one. And so it's like, well, I'm familiar with organizational communication. That's my background. I do lots of management, uh, content production and such. Sent in a resume and for three and a half years, I worked with that organization until I actually ended up here at Henderson. And so I thought I was done with professional esports. Like I had managed content teams and everything else. And so it's like, okay, well now I'll go be a professor and everything else. And, but uh, that is not what happened. As uh, it turned out, a lot of our students were already interested in esports. They had, we had a very active smash community and that led into our program and everything else. And so it kind of just took off from there. So in 2018, so we were very fortunate and I was just in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. That's um, awesome. I love to hear those success stories to start off the, this particular episode. But uh, my first question is always take me into your program itself. You know, what games do you compete in? What teams do you have? Um, what does that community look like? Just give me that overall snapshot um, of what the esports program at Henderson looks like. Sure. Uh, we have about 60 students right now and we play, uh, it, it always seems to be changing, but we currently play Overwatch. Uh, we play Fortnite. We play Call of Duty. We play League of Legends. Uh, we play Rainbow Six Siege, we play Rocket League, uh, Valorant, I, I swear I'm probably for uh, Super Smash Brothers, I already mentioned that, that, that's the eight we have right now, and we're really kind of a mix of competitive teams that are very much focused, like we start competition for Overwatch this uh, Saturday, actually, um, and as well as really community element, one of the biggest things that we've stressed is very much out being a public place and allowing students to come in, even if they're not on part of the program, to use our facilities, to be part of the teams. And one of the things that we're really stressing is trying to find students that want to do more of not necessarily the competition, but the ecosystem around it, which are things like uh, making content, editing, digital graphic design, or just helping us manage or analyze film, for example. So we're trying the best of both worlds in a way. And it's not easy, but having that community element and also having that competitive element is kind of where we're trying to balance ourselves right now in the program. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, and take me through kind of why it's so important to focus on both, right? That community and the competitive. You know, what does it give those two player bases the, the advantage of? Um, and, you know, why is it important for you um, to make sure that they both exist in uh, tandem? Yeah, no, great question. I think a big part of it is that esports really was initially founded on its community elements. And it was very much not just necessarily the players that were it, but it was all the people around it, right? And I think that really speaks to the heart of 
what esports is. It's a very much a grassroots community based event. And when you get away from that, I, I think that kind of it doesn't necessarily help esports is important. Like, hey, having great competition is very good too. But I think it's always better when you are able to have that community element and having that be part of it because I think that just will help it grow because there's lots of people that love gaming that want to be part of these communities, but they might not necessarily be able to be say the end all be all competitive rise like then if you have studied game design you know that the top uh, part of the like, player base is always like like one percent of the actual group of people that are playing the game okay. and i think it's we have to remember everyone else and bring them along with it yeah absolutely and that's that's such an important thing because i think you know community esports it's so great once you're part of it but like getting to be part of that community sometimes it's a little difficult right finding that right place for you you know toxicity is still a thing you're not near as bad as it used to be but it still exists and you know once you find that community and i see it at all age levels you know from 10 to 100 right once you find your little home it's like perfect right it's like the whole world kind of just makes sense now all that kind of great stuff so it's so absolutely right to see. And the be most beautiful part about that divide is that it's really easy to translate, right? You know, the, the top of the top is, you know, 1%, 0.1%, 0.01%, whatever, depending on how big the game is. You know, League of Legends is probably a few more zeros. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's also like, you still get to feel it, right? A lot of the people still get to play with pros. They see it. They watch Twitch streams, which is awesome. It's that, That's kind of like the difference points for me, at least, from traditional sports, right? Is that no one can really play football competitively after, like, you stop playing in high school, right? But mm -hmm. League of Legends, you can always play at some level, whether it's silver or, you know, grand champ or whatever the top is. Um, it's, it's all the same, right? So it's awesome to see it. It really is. Um, and just one thing to add to that, part of the reason I think you see esports and its potential to grow so much is that you see so many players like the thing is we forget oftentimes is like looking to traditional sports in their communities like there are still like massive amounts of those communities around there, whether it be playing fantasy football or something else. We already have seen that this model of stuff works. The only difference is like you just pointed out is you can still play league and you can still play these games like that's the kind of mind blowing part of this when you start thinking about how far this can chain out theoretically. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's just so much potential in so many of these pathways and avenues that are in esports, and I can't wait to see them kind of come from gravel trails where some of them are right now to fully fledged, you know, multi lane highways, for lack of a better of analogy. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of focusing back on Henderson, uh, more particular, take me through your role, your responsibilities. You know, what does an esports director do um, at Henderson State, and kind of you know how do you help your program program continue to succeed and grow? Great question. And I know it's different for everyone. For Henderson, uh, right now, I'm kind of the, I'm the one faculty person that's in charge of really the budget, in charge of scholarships. Uh, proving that, I go to every meeting. I try to stop in at every practice. But as you can imagine, with eight different titles, uh, that's already a part-time, if not a full-time job going to those. And I still teach classes on top of it. So yeah. a lot of it's uh, time management and trying to get the structures in place so the students can succeed. I have a lot of great captains that have really stepped up that wanted to to really take control. Some of them going from a player role and just deciding to say, hey, I want to coach. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And so I try to provide a structure for them to be able to succeed in. I try to work with them as much as possible to provide them the tools they need. Like we just bought a new bot for our Discord so we can uh, better manage things. And so students are better directed at the resources they needed because uh, the moderators and captains said, hey, this would really help us moderate things. It's like, all right, let's do it. And so that's one of the biggest things I do, which is just making sure people have resources and then uh, being there to show that the 
program here matters. Like, I think that's one big thing that sometimes people worry about with programs is, is this something that school just kind of like, okay, here's 12 computers, good luck. But um, for us, it's very much like, I want to be a part of that as much as possible. And uh, being there is part of that communication. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that, that's so important to be kind of, you know, active in every single part, but it's also very difficult, right? It's kind of that, you know, mainstream idea right now, you only need one coach for esports. It's like, no, esports is like athletics, right? You don't have one coach for football, basketball, baseball, soccer, lacrosse, swimming, so on and so on, right? Like you have eight games, eight teams, right? Or more, you could have B team or C team. Uh, but like, that should be eight coaches, right? Over time, right? Not every university is there yet. And I think that's a little bit of everything, right? The universities need to catch on to and see like, wow, you know, coaching League of Legends is a full-time job. <laughs> so to say the least. Um, but on the, on the note of practice, take me through what one day of practice looks like. You know, a lot of our audience is high school students that really want to go to the next level. So take me through what, you know, to expect from a typical practice day in any of your games. Mm -hmm. Sure. No, that's a great question. So a typical practice is usually between two and three hours. It just depends on in the week. Uh, certain teams are going to be practicing more if they're about to be in competition or if we try to have off seasons so that students can, of course, take classes that might need more time and everything else. It's a big thing, always being making sure students are uh, excelling in their academics, of course, because that's the first part of, you know, being in college. Um, but for a typical practice for us, uh, I'll take overwatches. Actually, we have a, that tonight. We have a meeting and a practice coming up. So tonight, what we'll probably be doing here is uh, we have about 12 players in the overwatch team. Uh, about eight of them are consistently on the top like six that we have for our, uh, matches. And so what will happen at least during that first uh, practice of the week, usually there's a very brief meeting going over like, here's what we need to do. Here's who we're competing against. There will sometimes be 20 to 30 minutes of film that might be going over a practice. Uh, past scrim that might be going over some film from a recent owl uh, game of some sort or match. Uh, and then after that, we start getting into uh, scrimmages. Uh, that's our big way of practicing when we're together because we want to use our time as most efficiently as possible. And usually that's in uh, doing lots of scrims so we can get film, so we can test new comps. If we're not scrimming, usually it breaks down and we have individual practice that are happening. So tanks are going to go together and work on specific things. Sometimes lots of custom matches. That's one of the great things about Overwatch, at least. We are able to do like use games that specifically work on whether it be uh, how to boot correct when you're playing Lucio or how to use your Reinhardt shield correctly and alt correctly. So we'll break into the different kind of areas for that individually. Our coach will go through each group and kind of give some feedback. And sometimes uh, actually tonight we have, uh, we'll also kind of like we were talking about earlier is like the need to have individual coaches for each team. We will uh, use some of our funding to get some hourly coaches that will come in and such and be able to provide expertise that like, mm -hmm. I'm not by no means a great gamer or something. So I can't provide that. I can provide some of the rules and structure, but I don't have those specific skills. Uh, I'm old at this point in comparative for all these games. So we'll bring in a coach and will come in and watch VODs with us and give us that analysis so that we can still keep growing, even if we might not necessarily have a full-time coach right now. So kind of gives you an idea of what yeah. we might do. I love all those resources, right? Both the individual, the team, and then going back and reviewing all of it is so important, right? Because you need that kind of holistic approach to continue to get better. Because I think that's like an amateur kind of trope of like, um, especially in the amateur scene in any game, it's like, oh, we're just gonna scrim and scrim and scrim and scrim. It's like, do you ever like, like realize like, hey, I messed up on this, let's fix that, right? Instead of just keep doing the same mistake over. So I absolutely love to see that y'all are ahead of the curve there for sure. Um, excuse me, kind of, um, Going into more of a broad scale, looking towards the future, what do you hope to bring to your um, university in the future? You know, what does that growth look like? Are there any goals off, you know, two or three years on the road that you're like, hey, this is what we really want to attain um, or anything like that, et cetera? 
Sure. No, uh, great question. Yeah, I think that's something all programs really need to do is have a long-term plan. And that's one I've been working on a lot. Uh, so one of the things I'm doing actually right now is we're designing curriculum for an esports management degree at our school. It's going to be housed in the communication department. Uh, which I'm a professor in. And that's gonna be kind of focused on providing a variety of different skill sets for students. I already have a couple of students I would like to do that. Uh, whether it be you wanna be a coach, whether that be you wanna be a content producer and wanna produce uh, video editing, graphic design, or what have you, um, or if you wanna go more towards the management side of things, right? Um, so that's one of the things that we're working on to provide long-term kind of like support for the program. But for the program itself, like say on a competitive level, um, one of the things I'm gonna be asking next is for a head coach of some sort. Uh, mm -hmm. I think, it, and just kind of like you said, it, it's when you have that many teams or groups, it's really hard to provide the resources, management and coaching that you want to. Like, I wish I could spend more time like it, as I am now, but I'm just one person. And so that's one of the first things I'm working on. Um, we actually are now getting a uh, esports expansion to the lab itself. So we're adding about 500 square feet to our uh, facility. So we're hoping to get some more computers and such, because right now we have a, a computer ratio of, let's see, I think one computer for at least every six to seven students. So that's not a good ratio. So we're trying to improve those. It's uh, just hard to get everyone in there. We already have to schedule times for mm -hmm. practices so much so that we are always uh, dealing with computer issues. But those are some of the basic things. And I think the last one is one that I think any, anyone at the collegiate team talks about is the need to reach out to high school and work with high school programs is something that I've been trying to do a lot, whether it be uh, going out to them directly, trying to talk more about esports because really the important thing to remember about the system is high school and below in particular middle school that is where esports in the future is going to be and that will be the new the next faker or what have you because and we have to provide a system of support for them and that's the big thing right now is trying to develop that system and so that's the other kind of thing i've been working on a lot yeah absolutely that's great to hear you know i love that futuristic approach right there and that's kind of leads me to one of my last questions before we run out of time here is tell me about that recruiting process right you know obviously it sounds like you have some scholarships great program a lot of teams you know what do you do to go and reach those high school players be like hey you know we need to we need to tank an overwatch or whatever um what's that recruiting process look like for you and what goes into it um so you make sure your teams continue to grow and you know have that right skill as part of the team yeah. Uh, so the first thing is um, trying to get a hold of as many uh, program directors as possible. Our state, Arkansas, started uh, high school esports 2000, in 2019. They started doing play versus. It was the first year they did it. So a ton of programs just popped up out of nowhere. And so a big part of my job is trying to reach out to them, talk to them, show them what we're offering and get them information so that they can help their students find us. Um, the other big part of the research, like the actual recruiting process is the interviewing part, like finding students that not only want to be good, that are good students or striving to be better students, but also finding um, people with the right mentality. It's one of those things I think I've talked to plenty of esports uh, directors and coaches. It's like, we'd love, we'd rather have a student that has the right mentality and has, you know, some or even middle skills compared to someone that has maybe all the skills, but not the right mentality because a big part of it is unlike say amateur competitions you can't just go find another team once you go to a university or a college you're playing with those people potentially for the next four years so we need to one of the big things we look for is mentality willingness to work being able to work with other people uh becomes almost more important sometimes than even tactical skills so that's kind of like the base of the process it's still rough it's one of those things that's still really developing in throughout uh, collegiate esports because uh, it hasn't really been done much in the last few years. And so we're very much in almost a wild west kind of situation. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, high school esports, there's a lot of great programs out there, but they're kind of like sprinkled all over the country, right? They're not near as mainstream as like football or basketball or baseball. They've been around obviously much longer, um, but esports will get there one day, right? And it's just trying to navigate those waters until there's that mainstream fashion to connect those nodes where the high school players, like a lot of them don't even realize like, hey, like I could actually play collegiately, get a degree, get a scholarship or something, you know, full ride or not, like still get some money and like get skills that I might not have been able to um, if I didn't do it. Um, kind of my last question here um, before we wrap up is looking at collegiate esports as the entire industry, right? The entire scene. Um, what do you think needs to be improved or changed from your experiences, both, you know, in collegiate esports and around it um, to really keep catapulting it further, right? It's still growing incredibly quickly. There's a lot of great programs out there. Um, but, you know, I was compared to traditional sports because, you know, NFL is all over the, all over the TV every day. And one thing that stands out to me is that, you know, you know, the bigger schools in esports, right? The Maryvilles, the Harrisburgs, the UCIs, but you don't know the bigger players, right? So, you know, with that in mind, like what needs to happen or change or just be improved on or something great that exists in your opinion that just needs to carry on um, to really keep growing where all these players and the other programs get the visibility that the top ones are getting? Now that, that, that's a great question. It really kind of speaks to, I, I think, two issues that are facing the growth of um, collegiate esports. Um, one is just player recognizability. Uh, the fact of the matter is, just like you're saying, unless you're being actively at one of those large programs or then being recruited by a professional team, there's very little visibility that happens. And I think part of the issue for that is that there's not a lot of content coming from, like, I think a big part of it, if a player really wants to try to, whether it be professional or just increase their general uh, awareness in the larger community, they have to put in an extraordinary amount of effort to create content because that's the big thing. Be, be able to get known, you have people have to see you, and that's the kind of aspect that doesn't always happen. Like some people aren't streaming, some programs can't support it well, or that they don't see that as a thing. And I think that's something that a lot of programs are going to need to do in the future is really work on that element. Like some are doing it great and that that's really rewarding their players because they're giving them that visibility. It's one of those things, a single clip going on on Reddit on one of the uh, subreddits from a match can completely change the world of somebody. And a lot of programs haven't been doing that. Um, I think the second thing is kind of like what our last question was, is we really need to create an ecosystem for recruiting and getting the word out. I know there are platforms out there that are developing, different ones are trying to implement those like having collegiate profiles and things. But I think that's gonna be the one of the biggest game changers in the next five to 10 years is when you start having websites kind of like the sports equivalent of rivals, uh, esports equivalent of rivals, which is like a, often a recruiting platform used for high school uh, sports. We need something like that. We don't have that yet. We have attempts. And once that gets there, though, that means that like I, I each year I have scholarship money that I wish I could be giving to new students coming in, but I don't. And I have students I can give it to. So there it's used, at least it's being used. But a lot of times I want to bring students to Henderson, get them uh, a chance to get a degree. And it's, it can be very difficult uh, to get out and reach out to these people. And so once we have a better system for that, I think that'll drastically change everything. Yeah, absolutely. You know, connecting, I would say, connecting those two nodes, the player to the college, right? That pathway is really difficult because like a lot of people, A, don't know it's there. B, they don't understand the opportunities at the end of it. And C, it's just like not well talked about, right? Um, especially at those younger ages. So even even going further to middle school, I'm like, hey, you know, you really like esports, you really like gaming. What do you want to do with that, right? Where's that actual passion? Is it playing competitively? Is it the video editing? Is it the graphic design? You can be involved in all of that and find some level of scholarship dollars associated with that. So absolutely agree, um, totally agree there. And I can't wait to see those exist because they are, they will exist 100% and really see collegiate esports become something massive and super special 
um, even more so than it is now. But unfortunately, we have run out of time. Um, Dr. Price, thank you so much for coming on the show. Fantastic discussion points here. Um, lastly, uh, real quick, go ahead, plug yourself, plug your program. Tell us if you have social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, websites, anything that you want to let the audience know so they can keep up to date um, with all the stuff that's going on over there in Arkansas at Henderson State. I oh, appreciate it. So uh, you can find us uh, on Twitch at HHU underscore esports. Uh, we're actually streaming our Overwatch match this Friday, uh, Saturday at uh, 2 p.m. Central Time. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at HSU underscore esports as well. And on Twitter at, I believe, almost the exact same one. I mean, we were very lucky to get all three of those. So, uh, and we're always looking for more people. So feel, and we also, uh, we have an email address if you want to interested in hearing more about the program at just esports at hsu.edu. Uh, I'm the one that curates that. So you're talking to me, uh, but we're always happy to be here. Thank you again, Kyle, for having us on. It was great to talk with you. It's always uh, fun to talk about esports. It's one of my favorite topics. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, esports, that's the, that's the greatest thing about doing all these spin casts. You know, I've done about a hundred of them now and I always, no one's ever surprised me in a negative way, right? Everyone's super passionate. Everyone wants to do their part and contribute whatever they can to see the scene continue to grow. So for those next generations, the middle schoolers, the elementary kids, the toddlers out there way down the line that they get to experience something that we unfortunately weren't able to because, you know, it was so new when we were younger. But once again, thank you for coming on the show. Um, to all our viewers out there, thanks for staying the entire time. Stay healthy and stay happy out there. You know, COVID's still a thing. Hopefully it goes away sooner than later. Um, but until then, take care of yourself, take care of your loved ones, and ultimately stay plugged in.